18. Judges chapter 18. The last time we characterized, we saw a characterization of a moral climate of the children of Israel some 3,500 years ago approximately. And I think we can see some aspects of their behavior in their society and our society. Thousands of years go by and men and women are still the same. We're still sinners. Tonight we're going to see more of Micah, who is really at the center or the focal point of this culture. Uh, we'll see some of the interesting circumstances that surround his life. So Judges 18, starting with verse 1. It repeats, In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the Danites was seeking inheritance for itself to dwell in. For until that day their whole inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not yet fallen to them. In those days there was no king in Israel. We saw this in chapter 17. It's repeated and it's worth repeating that there was no king in the land. This was before the kings. This was, um, there was no leader apparently. And unfortunately there was no king in the sense that there was no reverence for God. God wasn't made the king over these people. The inheritance of the Danites fell on Philistine territory, uh, as we see in, uh, I believe, the book of Joshua. And since it was Philistine territory, they were a tough, tough group of people to get rid of. Now, God said, this is your territory. But they, all they could see was the Philistines. All they could see was their problems, you know? They couldn't see God. So what did they do? They didn't have enough faith to conquer the Philistines, so they went north, and we'll go into that. You know, the Danites might have felt a lot of things. Maybe they felt that God cheated them. Maybe they felt that God's taking too long. Maybe they felt that God put a, an obstacle in their path that just was too big. So they took matters into their own hands. Now, we can look at the children of Israel, but what a shame it would be if we didn't make the same application to God's people today. How many times do Christians get in trouble because they don't wait on the Lord, Lord, because they feel that God's holding out on them, right? We, we talked about this Sunday with envy. You look at other believers and, well, how come their life is so easy? Well, how come they have this and how come I don't? So the Danites, what's the difference? You know, some of these guys got the nice coastal areas. Some of these guys got, you know, right on the, the, the shores of, of Galilee and they get Philistine territory, right? Verse 2, and of course that's their characterization, that wouldn't be the godly response. So the children of Dan sent five men of their family from their territory, men of valor, from Zorah and Eshtaol, we remember that when we talked about Samson, right? To spy out the land and search it. They said to them, go search the land. So they went to the mountains of Ephraim, far north, to the house of Micah and lodged there. While they were at the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. They turned aside and said to him, Who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What do you have here? He said to them, Thus and so Micah did for me. He has hired me, and I have become his priest. So they said to him, Oh, please, please inquire of God, that we may know whether the journey on which we go will be prosperous. And the priest said to them, Go in peace. May the presence of the Lord be with you on your way. Now, you kind of have to really read the story 
You've got to read the chapter before to really understand what's going on here. The Danites go to Micah's house okay, and run into this Levite who was made a priest and ask him if they should attack Laish. Now, understand that in the previous chapter, this guy's a Levite. He's from Bethlehem. And it's funny because they said, I don't know if it was maybe the, the, um, the way he spoke. Like they say the, Gal- the Galileans had like a role to their speech. So even those in Jerusalem could pick out a Galilean as soon as he opened his mouth. Their, their, their um, idiosyncrasies to their speech betrayed him. So I don't know if it was a, a voice thing or maybe he had the garb, but these um, Danites recognized the Levite. And he goes, they go, what are you doing here? I remember as a new Christian, when I might have been in places I didn't belong, I've heard people say, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. The Levite didn't belong there. He wasn't supposed to be there. He wasn't supposed to be made a priest from Micah. He just didn't belong there. But what's interesting is they quickly change the subject and goes, oh, by the way, we're going to go to Laish and we're going to attack it. Hey, can you inquire for us of the Lord and see if this is a good thing to do? So the young falsely appointed priest says, sure, go ahead. May God's presence be with you. He doesn't stop. He doesn't search for God's counsel. He doesn't consult the Uman and the Thuman, which he couldn't do anyway as if he wasn't a real priest. But no prayer, no God's word. This guy just flippantly and cavalierly says, yeah, go ahead. Go take care of it. You know, today I see that too in our society, you know, in response to spiritual things. Yeah, sure, whatever. Whatever makes you happy, go do it, you know? If your heart is really for God, then just do it. Doesn't matter what God's word says, doesn't matter if you pray, just go do it. Verse 7. So the five men departed and went to Laish. There they saw the people who were there, how they dwelt safely, in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. There were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. They were far from the Sidonians, and they had no ties with anyone. Then the spies came back to their brethren at Zorah and Eshtael, and their brethren said to them, What is your report? So they said, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go, that you may enter to possess the land. When you go, you will come to a secure people and a large land. For God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. And 600 men of the family of the Danites went from there, from Zorah and Eshtael, armed with weapons of war. Then they went up and encamped in Kirjath-Jerim in Judah. Therefore they called that place Manahem Mahana Dan to this day, or Camp of Dan. There it is, west of Kirjath-Jerim. And they passed from there to the mountains of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. So the Danites spy out the land and make preparations to attack it. In case you're wondering, the Sidonians, if you remember, Tyre and Sidon were the Phoenicians. It's modern-day Lebanon on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So this Laish place was about 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, near Sidon, but far enough away where they couldn't really, I guess, call for help because it says they they were kind of by themselves, you see. Um, And and these Laish-type people might have been completely wiped out by the Danites. But it's interesting because... Again, like today, oh yeah, God, God says you can do that. God already told them what their land was, and it was down south. So, you know, if they're going by what this this young guy says, who's now a priest, they're putting words in God's mouth. Verse 14. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to their brethren, 
Do you not know that there are in these houses an ephod, household idols, a carved image, and a molded image? Now therefore consider what you should do. So they turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite man, that is, to the house of Micah, and greeted him. The six hundred men armed with their weapons of war, who were at the children, who were of the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the land went up and entered there. They took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate with the 600 men who were armed with weapons of war. When these went into Micah's house and took the graven image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image, the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, be quiet, put your hand over your mouth, and come with us. Be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest to the household of one man, or that you be a priest to a tribe and a family in Israel? So the priest's heart was glad. And he took the ephod, the household idols, and the carved image and took his place among the people. <laughs> he kind of helped them carry the loot out at this point. <laughs> then they turned and departed and put the little ones, the livestock, and the goods in front of them. So the Danites clean out all the religious items from Micah's house, and the priest protests. Heaven forbid you take those idols, you know. Maybe almost putting himself in danger at that point. You know, but again, they're taking idols, right? That's the big deal to him. Now, the Danites tell him to be quiet. They kind of, I guess you could say that they're firm with him or maybe threaten him. But they make him an offer he can't refuse. Kind of like the mob, you know? <laughs> Come with us, be a father and a priest to a whole tribe instead of one home. This is how weird this stuff is. So, hey, put your hand over your mouth, shut up, don't make a lot of noise, because this is what we're doing. Oh, and by the way, wouldn't it be better to come with us and, you know, be a priest over a whole, you know, tribe than just this one guy in his household? So apparently the, uh, it appeals to his, it says his heart was glad. So the Levite's heart was lifted up for the wrong reasons. And you get the impression that he helped him carry the loot out, you know. Number one, a few things about this. This Levite is a young man and everyone's clamoring for him to be their father or their daddy. As opposed to Abba Father in heaven, like the scripture says. Levite, in essence, becomes an itinerant, dysfunctional father figure. Two, the Levite is, well, you could say a mercenary. You could say he's a prostitute. Whatever it is, uh, he serves one, and then he serves another, as long as he's getting more money and more power, instead of serving the living God. It's kind of sad that this is a religious man for hire. And I kind of thought about this. I don't know why. I kind of came up with a phrase and you can see it today. How many men and women are for hire? You know, maybe not necessarily doing the, doing the Lord's will, but wherever the money is greater, that's what they're going to follow. I call it the gospel gravy train. You know, at the pastor's conference, I've got to give K.P. Ohanan credit. He spoke. Many of you know Gospel for Asia, uh, K.P. Ohanan. He was offered, and he gave the figure. It was like $22 million and to do this whole big thing and this whole Christian uh, multimedia, you know, TV, radio, all this kind of stuff. He was kind of, he kind of went into it vaguely and he, and he thought immediately, oh, that's great. I could do a lot for the Lord's kingdom with that money. And he says at the end of the night, the Lord spoke to him loud and clear and said, don't take the money. Continue where I've put you. I give, him, I give the, the guy a lot of credit because there's many who in the Christian field are running to and fro because they see a lot of figures, you know what I'm saying? 
So I, I really respect him for that. Three, the Levite is thrilled that they ask him to be head over his tribe. He's moving up in the world. Uh, Calvary Chapel Pastor Randy Cahill, uh, Calvary Chapel, Massachusetts, or Boston, Boston, years ago spoke at a men's breakfast, and uh, he talked about the religious man with ambition. He says, if you see, there's a guy who's, like, obviously ambitious. You know, he really wants to move up. He says the alarm should go off. So I never forgot that. It was interesting. Four, the Danites are nothing more than, to me, they're idolatrous and they're, they're thugs. They're a tribe of God's people, but their behavior is pretty bad. And this is how weird these things get. But this is how weird it gets when God and his word is pushed aside and there is no king, there is no leadership. Anything goes. And unfortunately, our nation seems to be getting there rather quickly. Look at how many things, how many weird things are happening in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus said 2,000 years ago, many false prophets will arise. Many um, false teachers will arise. Don't follow the ones who say that I'm the Messiah. You could even look at our generation, my generation, how many false prophecies have made, how many people have called themselves Messiah or mini-Messiah, how many just bizarre things happen in the name of Jesus Christ. So that's where we're, we're headed. Verse 22. When they were a good, good way away from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. So they catch up with them. And they called out to the children of Dan. So they turned around and said to Micah, What ails you that you have gathered such a company? So he said, You have taken away my gods which I made, and the priest, and you have gone away. Now what, now what more do I have? How can you say to me, What ails you? And the children of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry men fall upon you. I love their uh, expressions. We're going to kick your butt, is basically what they were saying. And you lose your life with the lives of your household. Then the children of Dan went their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. So Micah sees the priest is gone, the idols are gone, right? All this stuff is gone, so I'm going to go after the Danites. He gets a company together, and they go after the Danites. And for what reason? Because his idols were taken away, Right? We have nothing left. So he was almost considering fighting the Danites. But what about God? Have you ever heard someone who loses material things say, I've lost everything? I've lost everything. No, you haven't. You know what I'm saying? No matter what you've lost on this earth, you still have the Lord. It's even worse when God's people say, when they lose material things, I've lost everything. You know? We, we, you know, if you follow the Lord long enough, you're going to lose stuff. You may lose friends. You may lose financial opportunities. You may lose things that were idols to you and you realize you had to put them away. But isn't it something that we do because we love God, because we, we follow God? And he can't have us, and we can't have those idols at the same time. Danites put up a good boast, and Micah's followers decide not it's not worth fighting the Danites, and they go home. Last few verses. It's a weird story, isn't it? I mean, help me out here. <laughs> the next chapter is even more bizarre. I mean, the next chapter is really bizarre. 
and I hope that nobody brings their kids uh, next time. I'm going to have to tell them, or I'm going to have to sanitize it a little bit, because it's, it's pretty awful if you've read forward in this. Verse 27. So they took the things Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and went to Laish, to a people who were quiet and secure, and they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. There was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon, and they had no ties with anyone. It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob. So they rebuilt the city and dwelt there, and they called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan their father, who was born to Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image, and Jonathan the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he had made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So the Danites attack Laish, prevail against them, and this becomes Dan's new home. Now it all makes sense to me. When I was in the book of Joshua, they had a, like a little map, and I love visual aids. I'm just a spatial type of guy, right? Spatial imaging. And they had the map, and they had Dan down here, lower left-hand corner, and then they had dotted lines and Dan up here. And I was like, what is it? Now I understand. They were supposed to be down here, but they went up here because they didn't want to fight with the Philistines. So they prevail against Laish. Um, I mean, to me, again, this is, instead of fighting the Lord's enemies, these, fight, these people fight peaceful, peaceful folks in Laish. And again, the way I get it from reading the, the scripture, they didn't cause anybody problems. They really had no ties with anybody. They were just a bunch of people minding their own business in a small village, and the Danites took advantage of them and probably wiped them out. Um, you know, this is like the guy who doesn't want to challenge another man, but he'll go home and abuse his wife. You know what I'm saying? It's just really awful to look at. In verse 31, there's some disturbing things in here. In verse 31, the tabernacle in Shiloh, um, it says that, but, and that's further down south, but Dan sets up alternative worship in his new land. So, in other words, they were supposed to worship in Shiloh. That's where the tabernacle was, you know, that portable kind of thing with, with, the, with the priesthood and the, and the Ark of the Covenant, the precursor to the temple. But Dan decides, well, we're pretty far, far up north, and you know what? I don't want to make the pilgrimage down to Shiloh. So they decide, out of convenience, right? Uh, it's raining today. I don't want to go to church. It's sunny today. I don't want to go to church. Uh, you know, whatever the reason is, I don't want to go. You know, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. But what they do is they set up this, this, these idols, and this becomes their new Shiloh, in a sense. And this is forbidden in the Scripture. And we know what happens over the years. These little idols become, uh, um, they set up like these whole stone t temple and altars, and then people start worshiping, and then all of a sudden it becomes idol worship, false worship. And that's one of the reasons that God, you know, he didn't command that. But you know what? Do we see that in Christianity today? I think we see a lot of alternative temples. I mean, Dave just gave me this book, Why We're Not Emergent. You know, a lot of this on the emergent church, they're setting up their own tabernacle. They're, they're taking their little idols and putting it where they want. Well, the Bible is cultural, and there's reasons why we don't have to follow things of the Scripture anymore, because we can do it differently now. So it's, you know, in the modern day, a lot of people are setting up false, you know, idols and altars. When God's standards are departed from, there's no telling how far the downward spiral will go. 
The tribe of Dan becomes such an offense to God that in Revelation 7, that we went over in our Revelation study, right? It talked about the 12 tribes of Israel, that 12,000 from each one are going to like be like revived Jews and they're going to they're going to be the ones who witness when the church is gone, right? So exciting. Well, in God's word, Dan is completely omitted, if you remember that study. And Dan, uh, the whole tribe of Dan started out with uh, idol worship and it and it it continued for many years and God just omitted them from uh, taking hold of, of the, the harvest at the end, in, in the end times. Okay, in the next chapter we're going to see, again, it's pretty bad and it is a result of turning from God. And again, we look at this and we see that there's a lot of parallels in what we see today. And of course, we look at the world and we see where this maybe administration is taking us what's becoming right and what's becoming wrong, Isaiah 5.20. But even worse than that is what we're seeing in Christianity. What we're seeing in uh, liberal Christianity where, again, anything goes, God's word's not important. What we're seeing in a lot of these different movements, we're seeing the fracture and splintering of Christianity, more divisions, all right? Um, and that's really the sad part. So, again, this is a reflection a lot, in a lot of ways of what we're seeing today. Let's pray.